Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. One week ago today, the writ was dropped, and that triggered Canada's 44th general election. The main party leaders fanned out across the country on this seventh day of the campaign. Trudeau's in Atlantic Canada. Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole is on the polar opposite end of this nation. He's in New Westminster, B.C., Jagmeet Singh in Toronto. He's marking the 10th anniversary of the death of former NDP leader Jack Layton. And uh, we also know which of the main party leaders are going to take part in the leaders' debates on September 8th and the 9th. Hint, not everyone's invited. We get more from Global's Dave Bowles. Justin Trudeau, Aaron O'Toole, Jagmeet Singh, Yves-François Blanchet, and Annemie Paul will debate each other twice this election cycle. The Leaders' Debates Commission invited the leaders of the Liberal, Conservative, New Democratic, Green, and Bloc parties to the debates September 8th and 9th. Criteria states that in order to be invited, the party must have at least one elected MP, its candidates in the most recent general election, to have received at least 4% of the eligible vote, or have had a national level of support at at least 4% five days following the general election call. Both the People's Party and Maverick Party were not invited as they did not meet these standards. The French debate goes September 8th, followed by the English debate September 9th. David Bowles, Global News. Thank you, David. Let's bring in our first guest of the day. Dr. Lori Turnbull is the director of the School of Public Administration at Dalhousie University. Dr. Turnbull, good day. How are you? Hi, I'm doing great. How are you? Not too bad. Um, So maybe we'll start with some of the highlights, some of the lowlights of the opening week of this 36-day campaign today. And we'll begin with Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole. His uh, campaign got off to a somewhat bumpy start, I would think, with the Willy Wonka attack ad on Twitter against Liberal leader Justin Trudeau. The video was heavily criticized, rightfully so. Did it damage O'Toole's image in any way? Um, I mean... I think it it kind of did for the moment, but I'm not really sure that, that that damage will last. I don't really get the sense that it does, particularly if nobody decides to run any ads like that again. If that's repeated, it's going to do damage. But I think probably um, it was really smart for the party to put their platform down this week. I think O'Toole had the best week by far. And so I think probably m- enough minds are turning to other things that maybe voters will give him a pass on that one. Um, but yeah, I, I think probably he can he can kind of get over that. You mentioned the uh, launch of the party's platform, uh, which includes a wide range of election promises, as most platforms do. However, it was a little overshadowed in the way the document was presented and showcased. A magazine-like cover featuring O'Toole uh, in a pose that many likened him to a home reno icon Mike Holmes. What was the purpose of that, do you think? Okay, so I was just as surprised by everybody else. That is so not what you think, as far as I'm concerned. When you think of Aaron O'Toole, you don't think of this guy on the cover of a magazine. Yeah. But, you know, maybe, maybe that was smart, because everybody's talking about his campaign. Everybody's talking about his platform. So maybe that was the question of them saying, hey, look, look at Aaron O'Toole, right? Like, don't, don't spend all your time looking at Trudeau. Look over here. And once they got that, and we went through the first sort of 24 hours of everybody talking about what the heck that was, everybody started talking about his platform, and he's been doing an announcement a day. It hasn't all been smooth, but you know what I mean? Like, there, he has momentum, absolutely. And he's, he, what he's put up in that platform is a different kind of conservative way forward. This is not Stephen Harper's conservative party. And I don't think it is just because of COVID. I think it's, it's you know, Aaron O'Toole's figuring out where he wants to take the party. He's offside with his caucus and offside with his base on a number of things. 
which to me shows, you know, he's, he's all in, right? Like he's the leader and he's given this a real shot and he's, he's managing the things like the carbon pricing and things like that, that the base doesn't love, but he's going to have to sort of try to bring people around. How much is the O'Toole campaign focused on trying to distance him from what voters saw in former party leader Andrew Scheer three years ago? And, and in saying that, you know, O'Toole said earlier this week that he was pro-choice. The Tory platform has a section about protecting the, quote, conscious rights of healthcare care professionals. There seems to be a little bit of a disconnect. I know. I know what you mean. And I mean, the, the Andrew, that's a really interesting question. And the Andrew Scheer piece is an interesting one because he actually got more votes than Justin Trudeau the last time. So it's not like you don't necessarily want to just write that whole thing off as a bad experience, because even though he didn't come first in terms of seats, he did quite well in terms of the popular vote. So clearly he was onto something. I think O'Toole is trying to do a few things at once. He's clearly trying to build his own brand. And that's, you know, that's the image building. That's the, you know, he's got pictures of himself on Twitter jogging all the time, things like that. Like he's trying to get kind of get people to get to know him personally and develop trust with people. He's also trying to pitch a tent to, that will bring more people under it. He's trying to, to come across as an alternative for progressive voters who are thinking about rebuilding after COVID and who are worrying about um, social na- safety nets being supportive through rising cost of life or cost of living. He's also thinking about the base. And so I think that's where you see some of these contradictions, if you can put it that way, in the platform, in that he's trying to appease the parts of the party that are going to stress out when he's moving in a different direction, when he's talking about carbon pricing, when he's talking about being pro-choice, he has to feed something back to the base to say, no, no, like, yes, we're pro-choice, but doctors will still be able to, you know, they've got conscience rights. So it's, to me, it's a trade-off. Like, he's trying to build something and keep going, get more supporters, but not lose his base. O'Toole was also quick to bring up ethics in this campaign. He reminded Canadians about the numerous scandals in the Trudeau government, uh, SNC-Lavalin, the Wii fiasco. I know there's a few more in there. Uh, a recent a recent Ipsos poll for Global News shows that most respondents, 39%, see Trudeau as the best candidate for prime minister, regardless of all these scandals. However, 44% do believe that he will say anything to get elected. Uh, O'Toole came in at 25%. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh was 23%. It seems, you know, given those numbers, that voters don't really care about ethics. That's not really high on their priority list. I mean, it's, it's interesting, like, because we only get to vote, you know, as, as infrequently as we do, although it seems kind of frequent these days when people call elections two years into their mandate, but, like, voters have to pack all of their choices, all of their preferences into that one X on the ballot for one candidate representing one party. And so when it comes to that sort of architecture of priorities and and how are you making that final decision about who you vote for? Yeah, I think it's probably fair to say that ethical transgressions and, um, you know, scandals and clouds around you are probably not ultimately the decision maker. People are more interested in jobs, health care, things like that. At the same time, though, I think, the, you know, Aaron O'Toole is trying to move that needle in that, again, in that kind of two-pronged way. Get people to start thinking about the fact that Justin Trudeau is not the only choice for prime minister. There is another way. And then the second part of that is give them that alternative, because it's no point for Aaron O'Toole to, you know, throw shade at Justin Trudeau to have votes move to Jigmeet Singh. That's not what he's trying to do. Our first guest is Dr. Laurie Turnbull, director of the School of Public Administration at Dalhousie University here on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Rick in for Roy today. What do you make of Jigmeet Singh's opening week? Yeah, like I think he's, he's, he looks very comfortable. Um, he's going through campaign stops with a lot of energy. 
He's definitely resonating on that, what seems to be quite a central issue in the campaign around affordable housing and cost of living. Um, his poll numbers don't seem to be coming up, you know, extraordinarily. You know, like we can see the, the, the space between the Liberals and the Conservatives tightening, the NDP not making the same types of gains. But um, I think for him, like, it's, it's really about being able to go and get, get somewhere in the ridings that are winnable. So I don't think we're going to see him spending a lot of time, like, really stretching himself thin for the next 30 days. I think it's going to be more, what are the 50 or so ridings that we should really focus on and then see if we can do, do some good there. Um, I think, yeah, like, I, I, I'm not sure whether he's still sort of grappling with people tend to vote strategically. That doesn't help the NDP from the electoral system's perspective, but, you know, he's still got, still got four weeks left. I think it's safe to say that most Canadians did not want this election. Um, do you think this is going to hurt the Trudeau campaign at the ballot box? I think it's hurting him now, and he needs to pivot. Like, last week, the conversations around uh, the timing of the election struck me as being kind of dead-end conversations from a political perspective, because they were all about the Constitution. The Governor General should say no. Well, she's not going to do that, right? Like, he's, a, he's a, a Prime Minister with the confidence of the House, and it's almost two years into the mandate. She's not going to make history by saying no. She'll give him the dissolution. But now, the conversation is pivoted around, okay, if you wanted this election, what did you want it for? What do you want to do? And he hasn't put that central ballot question in the window yet. We don't see a fully... Um, fleshed out plan from the liberals like we do from the conservatives. I think he's put so much in the budget, you know, and he started doing some of those things that it's like, why didn't you just keep doing what you're doing then? And you had the support of Jagmeet Singh. And he runs the risk that people get really irritated with him. And he could come back with a worse, um, you know, worse situation than he had before, which would be, I think, you know, definition of worst case scenario for them. In saying that, incumbents usually have an advantage in an election, not all the time, of course. Does incumbency and a pandemic mean that we could be looking at a somewhat similar seating chart in the House of Commons come September? You know what? Like, a couple of months ago, I would have said yes. But after what happened in Nova Scotia this week, it seems to me that voters are thinking differently about the pandemic. It's not, it's not the same as the B.C. election, and the, especially the, New, the Newfoundland election, which was truly in the eye of the storm. Um, vaccination rates are high and, you know, there are still some, some jurisdictions that have growing infection rates, but I think people are looking ahead now. And in Nova Scotia, the voters defeated uh, a liberal government with a conservative majority. So, you know, I think voters are, are willing to look around. So the liberals should be worried after what they saw in Nova Scotia? Not because the vote, like, not because Rankin, Ian Rankin's fate and Justin Trudeau's fate are tied. Not at all, right? Like Nova Scotia's circumstance was, was its own thing. I think it shows that voters are, yes, like they're not necessarily going to thank you for all the things you did for them during the pandemic, nor are they going to assume that because we're in a crisis, we have to keep the same leadership. That's, that's like those things are not going to win you an election. One more question for Dr. Lori Turnbull, director of the School of Public Administration at Dalhousie University. Uh, we heard earlier this week from Chief Electoral Officer Stefan Perot, who said that he expects millions of Canadians will cast their ballots by mail as a result of the pandemic. We may also see a, a historically low voter turnout next month. How could these two factors play into the final tally? Yeah, like I think if people are voting throughout the campaign, you know, that means that the parties have to put extra effort into mobilizing the vote all the time which is going to be tough, right? Like, they really have to be thinking about the different strategies um, that, will, that will help them ultimately get the most votes that they can. I, that's why I think O'Toole was smart to bring his campaign down this week, to, like, let everybody know what's going on. And then, you know, regardless of when you decide you just want to cash in your chips and vote, you know exactly what Aaron O'Toole wants to do. 
I think um, low voter turnout, like it's a summer election. It's a it's kind of a pandemic election. It, there may really be extra effort required to make sure that that parties mobilize the vote, which might help the larger parties, the ones that have more of a kind of well-oiled machine over time, if that makes any sense. But we'll see. You know, like we'll we'll, we'll see how it all happens. It's 338 pieces, right? Like the national polls only tell us so much. It's about who comes first in each of those writings. One more for you, actually. You know, come the debates uh, that are September 8th, 9th, could one of Trudeau or O'Toole manage to win the election before those debates happen, or are those debates going to be key to how Canadians uh, mark that X? I don't think the debates are what they were before, right, because of social media, because of, you know, we, we really have opportunities to hear from the leaders all the time. I don't know necessarily that um, the debates are as critical as they might have been, say, 30 years ago. But at the same time, it's an opportunity, like the, the, the value of the debate, I think, is to see how the leaders interact with one another instead of just talking, you know, you know through media or through right directly to us. And so there might be some interesting exchanges, between, like Justin, Trude- Justin Trudeau is going to be on the hop for those because he's going to have, you know, a challenge from the left, from, the, from Singh, from the right, from O'Toole. In Quebec, he's going to get it from Blanchette. Like, it's, it's, this is going to be interesting because he's going to, you know, in various ways, he's going to be the one, I think, at that moment to defend, again, why we're doing this at all and, uh, you know, why, why his plans are better than any, anyone else's. I can see the social media memes already. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.